Welcome, market participants, to another Three Things in Credit. I'm Van Hesser, Chief Strategist at KBRA. Each week, we bring you three things impacting credit markets that we think you should know about. The sun is out. The lawnmowers are doing their thing. That's here in the Northeast. We are well aware this is not the case around the world. This week, our three things are, one, our KBRA Altman default forecast. Our latest reading is consistent with normalization. Two, a potential energy spike, the single biggest risk we see to credit markets. And three, JP Morgan Chase's loan loss reserve bill. Is this something we should worry about? All right, let's dig a bit deeper. Our KBRA Altman one year ahead default forecast model is out and we're calling for the high-yield default rate to hit 2.65% over the next 12 months, up from a forecast of 2.55% three months ago, but still below the long-term average of 3.1%. Our forecast of 2.65% is bookended by a benign and severe case of 1.11% and 4% respectively. These are the 20% tail outcomes on each side of the distribution. That's a somewhat narrow range, suggesting relatively high confidence. The increase reflects an environment hit by two shocks, higher than expected inflation and the Russian invasion of Ukraine, as well as 2022's transition from pandemic-driven fiscal stimulus to endemic-era fiscal drag. Taken together, slowing economic growth figures to get slower still, already high inflation figures to get even higher, and already significant uncertainty figures to grow even more significant. Factors influencing our model include wider high-yield credit spreads and higher equity volatility incorporating these risks. The forecast outcome is consistent with 2022 being a transition year, a year on the path to normalization. That path, by the way, has gotten bumpier and riskier courtesy of the aforementioned shocks. We are in the camp that we are experiencing peak inflation as the Fed has turned up its hawkishness, which should result over the course of the year in meaningful demand destruction. However, we are less confident that the supply chain side of the equation will improve, aggravated by COVID-related shutdowns in China and the impact on various commodities caused by the Russian-Ukrainian war. And speaking of the war, the single biggest risk to global growth and corporate credit worthiness remains an energy spike emanating from disruption of Russian oil and gas production to Europe. That likelihood and the higher probability of recession that comes with it will be tested over the next couple of months as Russia moves into phase two of its attack. All right, on to our second thing, that potential energy spike. Let's put this on the table straight away. This, an immediate and prolonged spike to the price of energy, has the potential to be the single biggest threat to the global economy and risk markets. The catalyst would be an embargo by the European Union of Russian-produced oil and gas. J.P. Morgan Chase analysts were out this week with a report outlining how a full and immediate ban by the EU of Russian oil could cause the price of Brent to rise to $185 a barrel. If that were to happen, it could further slow global economic growth. Embargo oil and natural gas, and that slowdown could become catastrophic. In a comment to the Financial Times, 
The BASF CEO said it would plunge Germany into the worst crisis since the Second World War. Ironically, it is precisely this outcome that Putin holds over the head of Europe and the rest of the world. To stay out of this conflict, he promises, or I will cut off Europe's energy lifeline. Now, at the outset of the war, this was viewed as tail risk. But the moral outrage across the continent has only built, fueled by graphic depictions of the war's atrocities broadcast daily over social media. As phase two unfolds and presumably escalates in Ukraine's south and east, the risk of some sort of curtailment has grown out of that tail risk to something more likely. The ultimate impact depends on two things, how much energy is displaced and over what time frame. A gradual weaning off of Russian oil allows Russia to adjust and shift its exports to friendlier jurisdictions, say in Asia, while giving Europe time to source production from other countries and make lifestyle adjustments to reduce consumption. The shock to markets and the economy under that scenario figures to be significantly less. Solving the gas issue is more problematic, as it is running at maximum levels already and arrives mostly through pipelines. Ramping up LNG, which can be transported by ship, will take years. You get the picture. Recessions happen when economies are hit by shocks. Pandemic, overly aggressive central bank tightening, war, and yes, energy top the list of shocks that can derail economic growth. We've got all four present in various degrees of impact. Having any one of them flare out of control will leave a mark. Keep close tabs. All right, on to our third thing. J.P. Morgan Chase's loan loss reserve boost. This was the quarter where the equity market became animated because J.P. Morgan Chase added to their loan loss provision. Let's cut to the chase on that one. There is nothing, nothing worth getting animated on about J.P. Morgan Chase's loan loss provision. Now, don't misunderstand my view. The single most important thing for bank creditors, and I would argue shareholders as well, is what is going on in the bank's loan loss provision. It is the variable that determines credit worthiness, not capital level. Remember, that figure is regulated. It's also inconsequential when it comes to signaling whether a bank can compete in the marketplace for financial services. Not net interest margin. Shareholders care how that bounces around because it can affect a penny of EPS. Its moves are not material enough to move credit ratings. Loan losses, on the other hand, can overwhelm a bank's highly levered by design lines of defense. It is what you should watch. But loan losses reflect sins committed in the past. What we're really curious about is loan loss risk in the future. If we can figure out that, we've got something. The good news is that banks have to set aside reserves for future loan losses. Now that's what I'm interested in. That's where the loan loss provision comes in, reserves set aside out of current period income to absorb future loan losses. That's why paying attention to bank earnings is valuable to creditors in general. It gives you insight into the risks lenders are incurring day in and day out. So what is JPM seeing in terms of future risk? Well, to start, the bank is recognizing heightened risk of loan loss in its exposure to Russia. That's $300 million of the reserve build, and that is likely to be one-off in nature. That leaves $600 million to reflect, as JPM CFO described, and I quote, 
increasing the probability from a very low probability to a slightly higher probability of a, you might call it, Volcker-style Fed-induced recession in response to the current inflationary environment, which obviously is, in part, driven by commodity price increases, which are, in part, driven by the war in Ukraine, unquote. A $600 million addition to JPM's total loan loss reserve adds up to a 4% increase. It's a fraction of one quarter's worth of JPM's total net revenue. It's just not that material. What is material to creditors is other color provided by management on their earnings call. Loan losses, again, backward-looking but still relevant, are, quote, extraordinarily good and way better than they should be, according to CEO Jamie Dimon. He adds, importantly, that the loss rate will get worse. That's not a warning, by the way. That's a reminder that losses really are extraordinarily low and way better than they should be. That's the reminder that as we enter the great deceleration, the normalization, losses will return toward historic averages. When might that happen? Well, it's anyone's guess because early warning signs, delinquencies, are not showing signs of concern. To us, that is likely a 2023 event. Mr. Diamond reminds us that underlying economic growth at the moment is, I quote, very strong, unquote, and is likely to last at least through the third quarter. The big risk he sees on the horizon is inflation and how the Fed will address that. He also believes that the war in Ukraine is not just any old war. Sanctions and the importance of energy at risk make this one less predictable. We would agree. So there you have it. Three things in credit. One, our KBRA Altman default forecast. Our latest reading reflects normalization, yes, but also credit strength heading into that phase. Two, a potential energy spike. The likelihood of this shock is rising. And three, JP Morgan Chase's loan loss reserve bill. This is much ado about nothing. As always, thanks for joining us. Don't forget to check in on KBRA.com for our latest research and ratings reports. See you next week.